When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Sarah Saunders. And I'm Heather Drago. For those of you returning, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you and we're glad you're finding our content helpful. A quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, This podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. Today's conversation is about five signs you're living a life that others expect of you instead of a life true to you. So this sort of relates to our conversation with Sarah Rintamaki. We talked about societal pressures and expectations put on us and how we feel like no matter what we're doing, we're, we can't win because we're, we're constantly, you know, just trying to live up to other people's expectations. Um, so Sarah, you, you wanted to like have a conversation about how to recognize if we're, you know, if we're unhappy, you know, is it because we're living up to someone else's standard rather than our own? Like, so you have some thoughts about how to like do some inner work and look at ourselves and figure out what's happening. Absolutely. And I think it's important to recognize that there's a lot of like unlearning that has to happen in order for us to learn what is best for us. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it really does start with, you know, kind of looking within and figuring out that alignment piece, which is something mm-hmm. we often talk about. So there is a book and it's called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. What was interesting is that the number one regret featured in the book was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not a life others expect of me. And I remember reading that and it was one of those like, mic drop moments, you know, that we talk about. That's profound. And just a little bit of background about the author, Bronnie. So she was a palliative nurse. And I'm not sure if you're not familiar with 
that type of nurse. Mm -hmm. Basically, she works with patients who are near death and these nurses provide bereavement and support to families after the death occurs. So she was a palliative nurse in Australia and spent time, I mean, Heather, with like hundreds of patients um, Mm -hmm. on their deathbed. So when individuals are nearing death, it's not uncommon that all their regrets start kind of pouring out. So Bronnie was sitting with all of these patients who were in hospice, knowing they had limited time, they started just sharing their regrets with her one by one by one. And then, yeah, and then she started to basically kind of track them um, based on frequency of how often she was hearing about them. And she made a list in order of the top five, which I wanted to share. So the fifth one that she had heard consecutively was, I wish I would have let myself be happier. Mm. The fourth one was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. The third one, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. The second, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And the top one, which is, you know, part of the inspiration of having this conversation today. And as I mentioned previously, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not a life others expect of me. How sad. Isn't that sad? Yeah. I mean, it just... That first one, I wish I would have let myself be happier. Oh my gosh. It's just so heartbreaking just to think of all these people on their, yeah, on their deathbeds thinking that. Right. It's just really tragic. Right. And and so by, you know, having that interview with Sarah and you and I kind of our whole theme of this podcast is really just helping people bring their awareness to the life they're living now and really figuring out how we can live a life that is yeah. authentic and true to us. Right. It's, and and so, you know, expectations follow us daily, whether they are those societal expectations placed on us, conditioned behaviors or patterns from our upbringing, mm-hmm. or the expectations we just place on ourselves. It really impacts the way that we live our life day to day. And again, you know, part of the reason of this podcast is, you know, to set those boundaries, start saying no and beginning to live a life that's in alignment with who we are. And so we can't change what we don't acknowledge. And today we want to help you. And honestly, after listening to that episode um, with Sarah, go back and listen if you guys have not listened yet, but I want to help myself in this process too. And I know Heather. Yeah. I mean, you know, back in 2019, when I started this year of no thing, I was just so unhappy and I felt like everything I was doing was based on other people's needs, Mm. whether it was my business or my life. Like I I felt like I was, instead of a business, I was an employment agency, just Mm -hmm. trying to get jobs for other people. And it was, it was, I wasn't steering my company the way I wanted to, and I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And, and I really had to kind of do a gut check and Mm -hmm. I've been continually doing gut checks since then. And I've learned 
so much about myself doing the inner work, you know, and, and, you know, I'm 51 and I, I just finally came to a realization not that long ago that a big reason, two big reasons why I've had so much trouble saying no in the past is, you know, I grew up in chaos and I was Mm. used to chaos and I was always trying to kind of like make everything better in the chaos and just control it. And, you know, and the other thing is I, I was always very motivated by fear. I let fear dictate my, dictate my decisions Mm -hmm. and and my fear of other people's um, anger or disappointment or not meeting up to someone's expectations, Mm -hmm. you know, not living up to their image of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just had to let that go. I just had to just decide I can't control everything. (laughs) This last year with cancer taught me that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't let fear dictate my decisions. Mm -hmm. And I have to be comfortable being uncomfortable sometimes and Mm -hmm. let myself feel a little bit afraid if I'm going to say no to something. So um, it, it takes some honest reflection and kind of looking back and seeing your patterns. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes you need a therapist to help do that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you can do it on your own, but, um, it, it takes like some clear, honest thinking. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that fear that you're talking about that actually, you know, is, um, it's a trauma response and Mm. it's a way that our body, Mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, we talked about, um, in the burnout episode, um, Mm -hmm. but just the importance of recognizing what's happening within us. And when there is that internal, um, battle that's going on. It's kind of that fight, flight, or freeze response. Mm -hmm. Um, But oftentimes, yeah, it's so important to bring our awareness to that. Right. And everyone has different experiences and different patterns of behavior. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it just, it just takes some honest assess self-assessment. And and you had mentioned the gut check, which I think yeah. is really important. And, you know, listening to our gut, that gut check is actually a combination of experience and intuition. And so mm-hmm. like you were saying, like in 2019, like you were doing, doing, doing people pleasing and you experienced that wasn't working for you. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, part of this is helping listeners, you know, checking in with yourself, doing that gut check and making sure that you're living a life for you, not a life for others. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to be clear that living a life true to you is a spectrum um, mm-hmm. because there are things we are doing in our daily lives. We have responsibilities and duties, things that we have to do. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You still have to be a responsible parent or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You have to keep a roof over your head. Pay the bills, <laughs> yeah, feed yeah, your kids. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> you can't just go off and do whatever. Right. And, right. and so not every day you're going to be living a life that, you know, is completely true to you. But there's small moments that we might agree to do something we don't want to do. It's kind of something that we committed to. So then we have to follow through with it out of respect. And those types of moments are sprinkled in our life from time to time. But it's when those moments start happening at a level that it becomes more and more frequent 
that then it's that it becomes debilitating and it prevents us from fully living a life true to who we are. And that's where we have to really break that cycle. So what I think I'm hearing you say is, is there needs to be balance. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be constantly weighing, you know, am I living my authentic true life? And yes, I may do this thing here or this other thing here, whatever that I don't really want to do. But in the mix, in the broader scheme of things, I'm still in alignment with the way I want my life to be. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's making sure I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And because I think sometimes we can get so laser focused on, you know, well, this is the way that I want, and it's not always linear. You know, there's zigzags, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. to just be aware of that. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, Sarah in her interview, she really focused on bringing our awareness to having those conversations of why, why we're doing the things that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And is this, um, you know, what society has told us for so long. And it's part of that, you know, unlearning the way that we've learned all of these years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are these five signs? Um, So the first one is you constantly worry about letting others down. That sounds familiar. (laughs) Same here. Same here. Um, And this is so hyper people pleasing is one of the kind of categories of this. That should be my tagline. (laughs) Heather Drago, hyper people pleasing. (laughs) Yes. The second one is it is extremely hard for you to speak up about what you want and what you don't want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that also sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten better, but still. And I think it's interesting as, um, you know, now a mom of three, I think back to having my first baby and I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. Like it was all so new to me. And the more that I just kind of started to listen to my gut, I started to really focus on the relationship between, um, you know, Beckham and I, I started to learn more and I did have to consciously bring my awareness and kind of cancel out some of that noise. And then now with my third, it's like you build confidence. It's that, you know, muscle. Um, but you have to speak up about what is right for you and what doesn't feel right, which also kind of circles back to that first one of we don't want to let people down. So we're constantly Mm -hmm. telling them, you know, appeasing them and trying to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's, it's that muscle you have to build and, and, you know, if you have to start small and, and just stick up for yourself and say what you want and don't want, but it's, it's, process to learn how to do that for some of us. Yeah. And the third one is you feel guilty pursuing your dreams. Have you ever dealt with this, Heather? Oh, yeah. I mean, so, (laughs) so I've been building this business, right? And it is not the linear career path. You know, um, there are multiple reasons why I ended up doing it. Part of it had to do with the flexibility as a mom and, and, but also, you know, I don't have a degree, so I didn't tick off all the HR 
check boxes, but you know, um, there are times when it's been stressful because, you know, maybe I wasn't living the, um, making the kind of income <laughs> that my family might've wanted, or there was a period of time when I was really focused on my painting career and, you know, and, and there are times there's that guilt, that mom guilt where, you know, why am I spending time doing this when I could be, you know, at the PTA bake sale or whatever, mm-hmm. or, you know, or should I be making more money so we can go on the bigger vacations or whatever. And, um, it's been a challenge to kind of stick up for my dream and, and say, you know, this is, this is what I'm building and this is, this is where I'm going. And, uh, you know, I'm going to make this work. And it's, yeah, I've, 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 I've caught myself apologizing a lot and feeling Mm. guilty and stuff, but you know, um, as I've gotten a little older over the past five years, like I, that has gone away a little bit, Mm -hmm. but I still do, you know, I have to, I have to fight that instinct to feel guilty. Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't completely go away. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and I think for, you know, ambitious women and, yeah. you know, people that they have big goals and big dreams for themselves and for their lives, it, it feels hard to navigate and balance parenting and ambition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this is just recognizing if you are starting to feel guilty for pursuing your dreams, really that gut check and Mm -hmm. ask yourself, like, where is this coming from? And I know some people that I work with, they are career driven working mothers, but they had a mom that stayed home. And Mm -hmm. so it, it seems very, they feel like maybe they're being disobedient or they're not following the path that is most familiar to them, which Mm -hmm. was how they were raised. And so really trying to, um, you know, identify where that's coming from. And that bleeds into the fourth one, which is the critical inner voice in your head prevents you from even starting. And I know I've previously shared I call mine the shitty committee. Oh, yeah. That meets in my head. <laughs> I've right? adopted that. I've adopted that phrase. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so many people can relate to that. I actually, I, I, I've mentioned before I did that 30 day writing challenge. Yes. And one of the essays I wrote was shut down your shitty committee. And I talked about you oh. and how you called it the shitty. That got the most reaction of any essay I wrote in oh the 30 days. Gosh. People totally related to it. They were like, oh my God, I have one of those, you know? <laughs> so I think we all have a shitty committee and yeah. we all feel like imposters. Yes. And I can't tell you how many times you know, I've responded to people on Twitter who've been like, you know, how do you get past your imposter syndrome? Or how do you, you know, how do people do this? And I'm just like, hey, honey, we're all faking it till we make it. Like it's, we all feel like imposters. Like just don't worry about it. Just do what you do and keep going. And it is, yeah, I I have days. I have days where I'm like, what what is wrong with me? Why can't I do anything? And I'm terrible and I shouldn't even bother. And yeah. And then I talk to you and you snap me out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad. And I have to say, and you guys just go with me, but I have, I have to call in my positive posse. That's so right. right. I call in, you know, that inner voice that 
is is going to be the cheerleader and is that compassionate and grace-filled voice. And I think that it's important for us to really identify what do we need to hear in those moments when we feel like that other, that shitty committee is just so loud. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that critical inner voice is based on societal norms and societal right. expectations. And, right. and, and so the more that we can bring our awareness to that and stop in our tracks and recognize, wait a second, yes, that's what has been taught or how I've been conditioned, but that does not mean that I have to continue with that. Yeah. You, you had asked earlier if I ever felt guilty, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, in combination with this critical inner voice mm-hmm. as a working mom, whether I was painting or whether I was working in marketing or building my business, um, there was a period of time when I was a younger mom where I felt like my house had to be perfect. My yard mm. had to be perfect. Everything had to be spotless. I had to have, I was like, I wanted to be Martha Stewart, right. Mm-hmm. On top of everything else I was doing. Mm-hmm. And over time, I realized why, why was I doing that? It was because mm-hmm. if anyone ever came to our house, I wanted to present the perfect house. I yeah. wanted it to be spotless. I was more about what other people thought than about our comfort level with dog hair. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, now we're very comfortable with dog hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tumbleweeds of it <laughs> floating by, but, but, you know, I just had to let that go. And I, yeah. I had to be like, you know, what is it I want in life, you know? And, um, you know, my, my biggest role model is my grandmother who, mm-hmm. who did all these amazing things in her life. And you know what? She was a terrible housekeeper, mm-hmm. terrible housekeeper, mm-hmm. but she achieved so many things in her life. She helped so many people. That's what I want to be when mm-hmm. I, on my deathbed, I want to be that person who, yeah. instead of telling me her regrets, she told me her stories so mm-hmm. I could document them for posterity. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I want to be. So absolutely. You have to let go of that guilt. You have to let go of those, those shitty committee members and and tell them to go bother someone else. Yeah. And, and I think for like new moms too, and this is something that I struggle with from time to time. Like I have an equal partner who supports everything that I do and he loves you know, how career driven I am and the business is taking off and it's wonderful. And I'm actually adding on another clinician and I have these three beautiful, healthy babies, but there's times that that guilt comes in because Mm -hmm. it just still feels hard and, and it's okay to like have hard days and, and recognize like, even though I have prayed for this, like I've mm-hmm. prayed for this family, I've prayed for my career. It's okay to still just sometimes feel like, and I know we've talked about this before, like you've kind of lost yourself in it. And this mm-hmm. is, this is a time to just give yourself grace, give yourself mm-hmm. permission to feel however you're feeling and know that you matter, your dreams matter. And even though society may be trying to mold you into something, you, you can push back. You don't have to do that. Right. Right. 
So let's talk about point number five, the, yeah. the fifth sign. Yeah. So the fifth sign is you please others to avoid short-term pain, but underestimate the pain of living a life of regret. Yeah. It's getting through that immediate, it's, it's pain avoidance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so in the moment, like we can look like little bobbleheads. Yes. Okay, sure. I'll do this. Right. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then we take a step back. We take some deep breaths and we're like, wait a second. Like, that's not what I wanted. But we're just so used to saying yes Mm -hmm. and people pleasing. So we have to take a step back. So for those of you that listen in regularly, I'm always using my hands with certain tips and coping skills that I have. Counting to five, using your fingers, you can literally just like one by one by one, but count to five in your head, count on your hand before responding to something. Mm -hmm. Because I take a minute. Yeah. Because we're so used to it's kind of like that reflex. Mm -hmm. And I really want you to think about, is this something that I feel like I'm expected to do? Or is this something that I want to do? Um, Because in the long run, you know, it will add up. Yeah. And, you know, I've caught myself doing that lately. I've caught myself not giving an answer. Mm -hmm. Let me think about it. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is I, I used to always feel compelled to answer phone calls or emails immediately Mm -hmm. with a response. And my response was always, sure, of course, I'd love to, whatever, you know, and now I make a point of not replying to emails right away. I flag them so I don't forget them. Mm -hmm. And my, and I make a little note in my, my bullet journal. Okay. Reply to them. And I give myself 24 hours. Think about Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, Just be more mindful because, you know, you don't always have to give an immediate response. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing is, you know, the thing you you've taught me is it's okay to change your mind. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say say that. Mm -hmm. And that gut check comes and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, it's okay to say no and change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. My, my girlfriends and I joke about this. We're like, um, the caffeinated version of me really wanted to do that. And now the (laughs) decaffeinated version of me is thinking, yeah, that's going to be exhausting. (laughs) And and so, yes, I I love that though, is just, yes, take time. I encourage you to take a few minutes, whether it's five seconds to respond, 24 hours to respond, Mm -hmm. or if you respond and you're like, shoot, I did it again. Just you can break the pattern by just saying, you know what? I thought about it and that's a no. Yeah. And the thing, you know, I I can, I'm imagining someone listening to this being in the same shoes I've been in a million times Mm -hmm. where I said yes. Mm -hmm. I'm lying awake at night, agonizing. Mm -hmm. Why did I say yes? Oh my God. Now I've got to say no. How do I say no? Don't agonize over it. Just like get it over with. Rip off the bandaid. Like as soon as you know, it's a no. Call that person, say, you know what, I'm really sorry. There's a conflict or this doesn't work for me or I can't I can't manage this right now and I'm gonna have to say no. Like just be considerate, 
don't agonize over it, get it over with and then let it go. Like right. it's okay. It is okay to not be subservient to everybody else's needs. Mm-hmm. And what's so interesting is that other people, oftentimes they don't think twice about it. They're just right. like, okay. But for yeah. us, it can become that debilitating back and forth tug yeah. of war. Having imaginary conversations in our heads, <laughs> stressing out about it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so just to review, so five signs you are living a life others expect from you is one, you constantly worry about letting others down. The second is it's extremely hard for you to speak up about what you want and don't want. The third, you feel guilty pursuing your dreams. The fourth, the critical inner voice in your head prevents you from even starting. And the fifth is you please others to avoid short-term pain, but underestimate the pain of living a life of regret. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to tie this back to our conversation with Sarah Rintamaki mm-hmm. is, is, you know, first you do the inner work, mm-hmm. you recognize why you're doing the things you're doing, and then you know, and then, and then the next step is, okay, I'm not living the life I want to live. What do I need to put into place to live the life I want to live? Mm -hmm. And then start those conversations, whether it's with your partner, whether it's, you know, with, with your employer, you know, um, you know, how do you structure it? Does it mean you get a different kind of a job? Does it mean you, um, you know, adjust the way you do things, you know, whatever, uh, if it's going back to school or leaving school, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, you know, um, you have to, you know, first do the work to figure out why you're unhappy, what you need to do, and then start having those conversations. Exactly. And and also sitting with the uncomfortable feelings because mm-hmm. there's going to be stuff that comes up that it's not going to feel great. And right. I will say, you know, obviously I'm biased because I'm in the mental health profession, mm-hmm. but talking to someone about this stuff is so helpful. And so I right. encourage you guys... I've said this time and time again, reach out to us. We'll direct you. I also have been talking to some people, as I know, finances are difficult for a lot of people mm-hmm. as we're, you know, still in the pandemic. Um pastoral counseling is available. So you could reach out to your local church and they do have people, um, you know, that you can meet with. So that's Mm -hmm. always an option, but it, this isn't supposed to happen all at once. It's little by little by little. Um, but really just taking that time, like Heather had mentioned, and like we talk about, you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So just, you know, reach out and, figure out what you need to start living that life that's true to you. That's great, Sarah. I think um, this is helpful. It's a good first step. And there's always the larger societal things, larger conversations that need to happen. But, you know, we're all responsible for our own lives and that's where it starts. And we set the example for others and, you know, make room for ourselves and then make room for others. So I think um, doing that self-assessment is a really good place to start. And, and really making these changes within your home because we are raising the next generations. And so yeah. the more work that we can do 
and model that is going to be learned behaviors and then changes to society right later yeah teaches the next generation what to expect Mm -hmm. exactly yeah absolutely okay well thanks Sarah this was great as always wonderful talking with you Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining us once again. You know, we love you and we appreciate you and um, we'd appreciate you even more if you (laughs) uh, followed, uh, rate, review, um, share us with your friends. Um, You know, let let the world know about us and uh, we'll keep bringing you some great content. We'll be back next week with a great interview with Rihanna and Davis Carusis. Bye, guys. Bye. We'll be back next week with a great interview with Rihanna and Davis Carusis. Bye, guys. Sarah, say bye. Bye. <laughs> Let me try that again. That's good. We got the bye in there. Good. I can cut that in. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.